Welcome to Narrow Way to Broadway, a podcast for people of faith with a passion for the arts. Each episode is designed to foster community for the thespian and non-thespian and the believer and non-believer alike by navigating topics affecting the hearts, minds, and homes of artists everywhere. Thanks for joining. Miriam Canfield is the Artistic Director of Vision Productions in partnership with Artists in Christian Testimony International, with the mission to glorify God and lead people to Christ through historical narratives about persevering Christians. A graduate of NYU's Tisch Drama School, Miriam began her training as a ballet dancer at Chicago Festival Ballet and Chautauqua Festival Ballet in New York. She is excited to be discussing her mission with the Narrow Way to Broadway podcast and is grateful to be a part of this inspiring project that encourages Christian artists. Please help me welcome Miriam Canfield. What's up, Narrow Way to Broadway? This is Emma, and I am here with Miriam Canfield. Um, We are so excited to have Miriam on the show today because she wears so many different hats in this industry and has managed to incorporate her love for the Lord in each one. Um, And so... I'm just going to say, hey, Miriam, how are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm so good. We're so pumped. Um, So let's just dive right in. Um, I was so excited to meet you. So for our listeners who don't know, um, I'm from Chicago. I think think they know this by now, but I'm based in Chicago. And a few months ago, I auditioned for this project called The Art of Sisters, which is about the lives of the Bronte sisters. And Miriam is the one who like, adapted the show and was directing it and was in the production when it was first starting out. So I just remember being in the audition room and thinking to myself, I was like, there's something about this woman. I was like, she's, I bet she's a Christian. (laughs) And I was like, let's, I was like, let's look it up. And sure enough, um, you were. So, okay. So you are the founder and artistic director of Vision Productions, which is who Mm -hmm. was producing The Art of Sisters, um, founded pretty recently. And I, when I was doing my research, I noticed that the mission is to bring historical narratives about persevering Christians to the stage. And you sort of relate this back to Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would love to just hear a little bit about how Vision Productions came to be um, and how that was like a call that you were able to fulfill on your life. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, well, basically, I grew up in a family that love the arts. Um, my mother was in musical theater and opera, and um, that just trickled down into my me and my siblings. Um, I ended up going to NYU to study drama and um, graduated and spent some time in LA and in Chicago and then back in New York. Um, and I think that for me, I had grown up in a Christian home, but I had not had I think my own personal like relationship with Jesus. And I um, was part of a Bible study in mid twenties. It was uh, in my mid twenties and it was on the book of Romans. And at the same time I had read this, a biography about Joan of Arc and that biography just blew my mind um, because Joan was, I had heard about Joan. I knew Joan lived in like the 1400s and she you know, had led some armies and battles and um, that she had died at the stake, but I didn't really know her full story. And this biography was just showing 
that there is um, there are uh, these documents from the 1400s from when Joan was on trial um, and in it, it's her own voice. And so you get to hear how she views, you know, her role in her life. Um, and I was just really impressed by the fact that she had such great faith in God. And it was just so apparent in her trial, although she was um, convicted by the end of it, it was like a political trial, essentially. And unfortunately, um, she was burned at the stake. Um the last words on her lips were Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I was just like bawling. And I just was like, how could they kill this innocent person who had such strong faith? And it just rocked my world. She was 19. Um, I think I was like 24 when I read this biography and just blown away by it. And so I was like, I have to write the, her story. I just have to write her story. And I'm not didn't go to school to write. So I was like, I don't know how to write a play. Um, but I was like, I have to tell her story. And I had read other plays, but I felt like they didn't really believe that she was who she said she was and that she had this strong faith um, in Jesus. And so it kind of was a process of through that and through the book of Romans, um, coming to terms with being a sinner in desperate need of a savior in my own life. And then playing Joan that I, I just was, um, brought to the Lord. Um, and so ended up over the course of two years, I think, putting together this play um, and had help from um, various people in the process uh, and really started praying about the process. I was like, I can't do this. I need help. Lord God, help me. <laughs> um, I was like, I really want to do this. Um, so that is basically the start of um, me seeing that there are so many incredible stories from history that need to be told about Christians who um, led difficult lives or challenging lives, uh, but they held on to their faith um, through the grace of God during those struggles. And so then I kind of discovered another biography um, about Charlotte Bronte. Um, I think it's called Charlotte Bronte, A Fiery Heart, and I started reading that. And again, was like, I didn't know the Brontes were Christian women. I didn't know what they went through in their lives. Oh, my goodness. And it was just like, I need to tell this story. And so how am I going to tell that? And um, so I th there was, again, another like bit of time there where it was like, I don't know where to start the story or how to tell it. But um, through time and um prayer and through um, another door that opened basically for this play, uh, we were given, I was working with a friend and we were going to produce um, a different play. We had been given a space in New York. And so we were just trying to find a play for the space to produce. Um, and it, that play went through, it, it fell through. Um, and then I just told my friend, Hey, I have this idea about this the Bronte family. I haven't written it yet, but I think there's a story there that we could tell. Just can you give me some time to do it? And then, um, yeah, that piece kind of came together through um, that process. And um, then after we performed that play, we I left New York and I discovered Artists in Christian Testimony, and they are 
amazing company that helps artists become nonprofit status and serve God with their talents in arts and and whatnot. Um, And so I became a nonprofit through them and then just started producing stuff in Chicago. So um, yeah, so then that was kind of the iteration of that was when vision productions began, but I kind of started with these other pieces, like, you know, before then getting up to that point. Um, but just realizing that, that it seemed to me that God was wanting me to walk in that direction. And I did not know that at the start of it, but it just kind of became clear that that would be a good way to just utilize, um, the skills that I'd been given to, you know, help tell these stories about people that um, were inspiring and I felt would be inspiring for others. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. And another thing I was excited to ask you about is, you know, as someone who has worn many hats in this industry and is developing and adapting and writing and acting, what do you feel like is the benefit or what do you feel like sets apart um, telling stories of real historical figures rather than, you know, making up stories surrounding the Christian mm-hmm. life that are fictional? Hmm. That's a great question. Um, I think what I was just so impressed by was um, historically, there is just an incredible amount of amazing people that have come before us. And a lot of them um, wrote their feelings down. And that's just so interesting to me because in it, you hear their struggles, what they really went through. And I feel like even for, you know, for people who don't believe in God, that if they come to see like a play about Christians from history, um, that it's a real story. And like true stories are always, in my opinion, interesting because they really happened and they're layered and um, complicated. Um and so I've just so enjoyed the fact that to me, the content is there. It's so out there and there's just incredible stories. And I think like, yeah, I mean, I I just feel that reality of um, you don't really need to make up one because they exist and they just need to be kind of uncovered and um, brought into the light, you know? Um, and I know there are people who are amazing at writing new stories. I've got a playwright friend, a friend, um, Hannah Hartman, and she wrote a play recently. Um, she is an incredible playwright and, um, used history, but also kind of a made up modern day world, um, to tell the story of, um, of Lady Jane Grey, um, but utilizing, uh, you know, a made up quote unquote world, but like absolutely pulling from, um, contemporary world. But I think there's power in that too. I just think that, yeah, to me, given the, um, given that it's all there, um, I'm, I'm more interested in just pulling from, from what has happened, um, and just letting the people who've lived speak for themselves in the play. Yeah, that's another thing I wanted to ask you about. So I know that a lot of the work that you've done isn't just writing about Joan of Arc or about the Bronte sisters. You ha- you literally take their 
their texts, their letters, and the things they've written down in their journals. And you kind of alluded to that earlier, but how much of the content would you say is made up of direct quotes or direct excerpts from their own words? Yeah, predominantly it's all them. I mean, this, the Bronte play uh, was basically all them. I mean, it was amazing to me. They had Charlotte particularly, she had so many letters and, uh, and yeah, she wrote just tons and tons of letters and, uh, they saved them, which is awesome. Not all of them, but a huge amount, um, diary entries. There was some that Emily Bronte and Anne had, so you could look into that. And then obviously their novels, Jane Eyre and Wuthering Heights and The Tenant of Wildfell Hall, um, and yeah, so those novels really, uh, were kind of that fun part of like, I knew Jane Eyre, I knew Wuthering Heights, loved those books in the process, came across Tenant of Wildfell Hall, which Anne wrote, had not really known much about Anne at all and read the book. And I was just astounded by the power of her writing and the way she viewed the world. And in her book, she talks a lot about like, temptation and sin and virtue. How does one become virtuous? Um, and yeah, so in the play, I just combined all the things that I thought best displayed these amazing young women who struggled a lot and had a lot of loss, but also had these triumphs in terms of um, writing. I mean, they wrote under pseudonyms, so nobody knew that they were women at the time or who they really were until um, Emily and Anne passed away in their like very early, I think Anne was 29 and Emily was 30. Um, and Charlotte kind of revealed to the world after that, the eldest sister, that um, those two sisters were sisters and they were all sisters. Um, and yeah, but basically I think that's just uh, what was really exciting to me was, oh my goodness, it's all there. I love what they have to say and was just like, people need to know that this is what the Brontes thought, you know? Um, right. Cause it's, yeah, it's just so cool. Yeah. And I, I was reading up about just like articles about your work and I know you performed the play Bronte, a woman of courage at the Jefferson market library and an article for the Westview news, which was this year, I think it was published in January of this year. Um, it the article quoted Anne herself, and it said Anne said in her own words, "It was better to reveal the snares and pitfalls of life to the young and thoughtless traveler than to cover them with branches and flowers." And it says Anne's novels reveal her personal belief in the power of redemption for even her vilest characters, and I just love that. I literally have chills right now because I feel as though it relates so much. Well, it doesn't matter how I feel right in this moment. But do you think um, that quote feels potent to like your responsibility as an artist, as a creator to, you know, like she says, reveal the snares and pitfalls of life and not cover them with flowers? What do Because I remember at the very beginning, you said that the stories that had been written about these these figures that you write about were not being like necessarily depicted for what they actually thought. So I guess I would just love to hear kind of how that relates to, you know, her view of her responsibility as a creator and how that like has influenced you in creating. Mm -hmm. That's such a cool question. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in, in your views on, um, on that because, um, 
yeah, no, that excites me so much that first you saw the article and could pick that part up because yeah, that really was um, what made me so excited about Anne. I was like, okay, I've always loved Charlotte Bronte and Emily Bronte is so cool. Um, But Anne was just like, made me so excited because to your point, um, yeah, I mean, it is not easy to do this that she what she was doing where she um basically if anybody knows the Bronte story they had a brother who um unfortunately had um kind of fell into a bit of a life of debauchery in a way and I think that the toll it took on Anne was profound and so basically she wrote the tenant of Wildfell Hall from that pain and that desire to help young people stay the course and to not fall prey to a lot of the temptations and destructive, you know, things of the world. And I think Charlotte said of of Anne that she was like it really wore on her that thing that these kinds of things really settled into her mind and her soul and were heavy for her, but she says she's like it's um important for her to tell the truth. She said, um, truth always conveys its own moral to those who are able to receive it. And I think that the book is challenging because it's, you see um, Mr. Huntington, who is like one of the main characters and he um, leads a life of debauchery and um, is on his deathbed and, his wife is kind of portrayed as a woman of virtue um, who basically on his deathbed, she comes back to him after she had left him because he was abusive. Um, she serves him. She tries to prepare him to meet God, which is really intimidating um, because he's in the play, like in, well, in the book, first of all, he's, you know, uh, freaking out. He's like, I don't want to meet God. I'm scared. Um I wish I could bring you with me and you could plead to God for me on my behalf. And she's like, you, we, no man can do that. It costs the blood of an incarnate um, God. It costs the blood of Jesus to, to do that. Let Jesus plead for you. So she was basically like, call on him. Um, and I think that Charlotte was a little frustrated that Anne had written so honestly, given that they had had this, brother that had unfortunately been through just a lot of just bad choices. Um, and he died early. He died, I think at 31. Um, but his story sounds, um, I was pleased because his, the image that I think I've, it may have been in one of Charlotte's letters was like the brothers on his deathbed, like Charlotte's real brother. Um, and he's, um, you know, like just, about to leave the world and they had been praying with him and the father is there, uh, Reverend Patrick Bronte. So their father was a pastor and, um, just was praying with him and Branwell, um, rep- I think he said something like, I wish I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't do more with my life. Um, but he said, amen to the prayer that was prayed. And there was just a sense of, um, of the mercy of God and, um, that, you know, that is why, like, Jesus didn't come to save perfect people. He came to save sinners. And it's really hard when, you know, you are in those kinds of life moments, um, like Anne must have been in with that whole reality. But I think she was like, I just need to talk about it. I need to share this so that young people 
can know like what they're faced in the real world. And, um, yeah. Yeah. I really, yeah, that's so good. And I think a conversation that Philip and I have had a lot is it's hard because sometimes the temptation or the the majority of work from a Christian perspective is where the main character, the protagonist has to persevere through a lot of things that happen to them, not necessarily things that they bring out on themselves, like our own sin, you know? And I think that when she says, you know, the snares and pitfalls, it's like, you know, snares and pitfalls totally can come from outside things like traps of the enemy and like all those things. But also sometimes we like straight up walk into this stuff and that's also what we have to persevere through. So I think the conversation we've been having is like, how do we create art? If, if, you know, our responsibility as creators or writers or developers or producers is like creating art that depicts the power of Jesus. Like, why are we not seeing, like, it's, it's hard to see art because it's like, we don't want to see the sin because that's, we don't want to see it. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I thought that was really interesting of like, she was like, I have to be honest about this or, and I have to depict this in a way that was accurate, not just being like, and then it was hard. And then God, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yes. Right. No. And I think that is what was so shocking about the book was, yeah, to your point, she does not shortchange it. Um, She's, and what's so cute, I think about Anne, obviously, I don't know her in terms of like real life. Mm -hmm. But what I think is so cool is like, also in the book, there are these moments where she um, just has this like, beautiful idea of like what life can be. Mm -hmm. And um, coupled amidst the reality of, of, you know, bad choices. And like you said, just like traps and these different things. Um, And I think, yeah, I think to me, it seems like if you can convey sin as sin, as an ugly thing, Mm -hmm. showing it is a good thing. But also with that point of like, that's not where the story Mm -hmm. ends, like, you know, and so I think it's, yeah, it's definitely such a challenge. And like, to your point about like, um, yeah, just, you know, praying about everything Mm -hmm. so that you can uh, just keep, keep do stepping forward. I mean, I think something Anne also said was like, uh, something about when you're striving to tell the truth you know, you have to sometimes really like get into the mud of it all to find the jewel. Although, you know, you might be scorned for finding the jewel. Like Mm -hmm. uh, she uses the example of um, like cleansing a careless bachelor's apartment. Like Mm -hmm. you might, that person might get mad at you, but like um, I think there's something to that, but yeah, it's definitely, uh, yeah, I, I think you just raised such a great point that to see see this see this in the reality of it, because it's like, well, that's what points us to the need for a savior. Mm-hmm. And that through Christ's sin we are redeemed and clothed in his righteousness, uh, mm-hmm. which we'll fully see on the other side of this earth, like right. in heaven and you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's such a beautiful picture, you know, totally of truth, but also just kind of of like a life following the Lord is like, I feel like I'm constantly in the mud, like dirtying myself, like searching all this mud underneath my nails. And then I feel like, but I feel like 
and I don't want to speak for anyone else, but I think what's hard about it is sometimes we are more willing to just not even get in the mud at all as to not like, we don't feel like the risk of finding the jewel is even worth it because we don't want to dirty ourselves at all, you know? And so I think that's hard. I think that a lot of us just, a lot of, you know, it's almost easier to sit out of what makes us muddy, even though the reward of finding the jewel is so much more worth it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's such a well put way to say that. Um, yeah. Um, that's why like something like this, like with what you're doing in terms of bringing in faith in art and those conversations, I do think like that was kind of like the heart of Anne being like, we just, if we could have the, the conversation about it and the reality of it, and we don't cover these things up, I think we'll be living in a way that's much more accepting of the reality and doing the things being like doing the things that are hard to do. Cause like, to your point, yeah, it's a, it's a struggle. You have to have courage, which again is a quality that Anne kept saying. I think she, um, yeah, I think like on her deathbed, she told Charlotte, her older sister, like have courage, Charlotte, take courage. Um, so yeah, I totally agree with you. Yeah. And I think another cool thing about the nature of the work that you've done with these stories, in particular with the Bronte sisters, is that, you know, we see them as women of faith using their like creative talents to tell stories that essentially like point back whether, you know, no matter how like nuanced or hidden it is, like point back to humanity and the gospel. And so I think what's cool is that you know, the stories of persevering Christians in the arts are still being written. You know, we, we are part of that. And I think that I would love to, it's so cool. Like God's story is still being written. It didn't end like in the last verse of revelation. It's like, he's still using people. And um, yeah, I would love to hear kind of in this theme of perseverance, like what, what does that look like for you as an artist, like in adapting and writing and creating? Cause you know, not everybody has a smash hit or like a super quote unquote successful like time doing this work. And so what, I mean, what have you learned about that concept of perseverance, especially when you're partnering with, you know, the Lord in this work? Oh, I love that question. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, okay. So I think that it's a kind of interesting thing. Okay. So when I was in drama school, I remember asking a teacher I loved, like after I think I was about to graduate and I was like, what do I, what do you want? What do you think I should do? Like, you know, to stay in, in the arts and, and whatnot. And she was like, just live lovey, just live. And I was like, Hmm. I was like, I wonder what she means, but I think that, you know, it basically, I think she was trying to say, which, uh, I just feel is just like such a gift. It's like, yeah, we need to live our lives. And I think for me that being okay with not always doing the art and um, is, is important, like living your life, being absorbed in wherever you are. For me, it's, um, I have, I live with my family and, um, you know, being more involved with my church and friends and, um, 
I think that really helps me because sometimes these stories aren't easy to tell from an emotional standpoint that it's heavy. They go through a lot of things. And um, I think I've been blessed by studying people who suffered because it's helped me to see, okay, if the worst thing happens as a Christian, Christ will never leave me or forsake me. That's very, that's what the Bible says. And then through these people who suffered, that's what they said in their letters when they were in the the heat of suffering. Um, But I do think like definitely allowing to what you said about like the Lord partnering with us in art, like allowing him to lead you and to trust his timing uh, that I can never force it. I certainly can't. Um, I just, I don't, I'm not creative when I try to force it um, in the sense like there's a there's the method of obviously being responsible and like doing the things that you do um, to, you know, every day or that are good habits per se. But um, nonetheless, like in terms of storytelling, uh, I've, oh, I've really been like, OK, so I found a story I'd love to tell, but I do not know where to start or how to tell it. And it's like, I can't force that. And so I have to really live my life and pray and just like trust that, you know, at the right timing, I'll be given an um, ability to see what the story is. And that's like been very real. Like with the Bronte piece, I sat with that for maybe a year or two more. I don't remember fully, but around the time that I was doing Joan, I kind of was reading that biography too. And it really wasn't until I got the opportunity to have a space to tell a story that all of a sudden it was like the creativity clicked and it was like, oh, I see the story now. I think I know how to do it. And so, yeah, so I think um, that again is just like, you know, we're so many things as artists and um, it's just really helpful to remember that. Like, and I think that's the beauty of being an artist is that we are adaptable people and um, we just need to be patient, I think, with um, how God is using us in other ways um, that may not seem necessarily in line with the the thing we thought we were to be doing all the time. Yeah. And would you say that you have learned well, I, I actually know the answer to that question. I'm sure you have. Would you, what would you say is the difference in what you learn in adapting the pieces, researching the pieces, writing the pieces, and then acting in the pieces? You are like so intimately connected with this work. So do you think that it's kind of a full circle moment when it all comes together? Or do you feel like you're learning separate things in each of these different kind of roles you're playing? Yeah, that's such a great point. I definitely think so. Um what struck me about Joan when I worked on her story was as I was writing it and researching it, I was just like trying to wrap my head around all the things that occurred in her life. And some things were just way beyond my ability to like fully understand. Um, but I could really understand her faith and, or started to really understand that. Um, and, and just the beauty of, um, the things that occurred in her life. And I discovered there were, um, also records. So, okay. So she had the condemnation trial, which is what eventually, um, she ended up being tried as, or convicted as like a heretic and burned at the stake, which is a horrible thing. But there was a nullification trial that happened, I think 25 years after her death. Um, her mother had led that, like, was like, I want my child to, um, 
basically be restored like her, her name because this was so false what happened to her. Um, and there were all these people interviewed who had known her, who had grown up with her. And it was neat because they could really attest to her character and that as a child, Joan would you know, give alms to the poor. And she would, if soldiers were coming through her, um, uh, her neighborhood, her little village, um, or even poor people like that, she, um, would give her bed to them. Like she was just always serving other people. And, um, people saw her praying all the time and like as a young girl, you know? And so I think that really blew me away about, um, her as we, as I was learning about her. Um, so then in the process of the putting the play together, uh, I'll, I think the biggest thing I learned was between the putting the play together and the acting the role was that she was a martyr and that martyrs today still exist. And that blew my mind. Um, and so then I had, just an awareness of how her story was very relevant for today because there are people in the world who are killed for their faith. And um, so I think that was something that really, really uh, was a wake up call. Um, But nonetheless, like um, I think it was, it was a realization of the reality of the kingdom of God being real and like willing that she would die for her faith. Like that really was exciting to me in the sense of um, that she so believed that in Jesus and where she was going. And um, I thought that was just really powerful. So there was that. And then in the Bronte story, I think that the, um, I guess it was the, there was an element of, um, I knew the suffering that they had like passed away. The young, all of the sisters had passed away, um, at different, at like 29, 31, 30. And I think Charlotte passed away at 39. Um, so there was that element of it. And I think it was just, um, I guess that they were all very different women. And so when you're stepping into the shoes of that, you're coming to terms with a person's like intricate ways of thinking. And um, I always find that there are things and similarities that you, when you're playing a role where you can really identify with somebody and then things where you have to really struggle to figure out why they thought the way they thought. Um, But I don't, I think it was just more like experiencing the loss that I had written about for a while, like, or not me writing, writing it about, but like, um, studied their suffering, their loss. And so then to inhabit that was really hard because it was the hating that somebody really went through that. And, um, and so wanting to do that, uh, wanting to honor them in that because it's so, um, they were just such special people. So I'm not sure if I answered your question well, but yeah, those kinds of things. Yeah, no, that's mm-hmm. so good. I, I've i been asking a lot specifically about these, you know, three projects that you have like put so much of your time and heart into. And I would love to just hear, um, Philip always asks this question, so I'm stealing it from him, but I would love to just hear like in, you know, as general or specific terms as you'd like kind of just what the Lord is doing in your life right now, whether it's, you know, through 
a project or through, you know, quarantine or COVID-19 or whatever that is, um, I would love to just kind of hear what the Lord's doing in your heart as, you know, as Miriam. Oh, cool. Um, that's such a nice question. Wow. Um, goodness. Um, I think that the Lord has been just teaching me the reality of total dependence on him and humbling myself before him that the importance of Mm. um every day like waking up and um being grateful for the day (laughs) and every Mm. detail and I think really listening to other people that you live with and um just I would say yeah kind of a combination of all those things where people we need each other and um yeah reaching out to people is so has been so re- so good um so helpful because mm-hmm. I think it's in, it's so easy to turn inward and then you go down the spiral of thoughts that aren't mm-hmm. helpful. So, um, not being afraid to reach out to people, even when you don't know what you're going to say to them, <laughs> like you just want yeah. to talk to your friend, you know, um, yeah. and, and being encouraged. And I think particularly with the body of Christ, like you're my, but, um, yeah, I've got, uh, the, one of the friends that I mentioned earlier, who is a playwright, Hannah Hartman, she's, um, one of my friends who is, I call her like my wise friend and I call her when I have thoughts Mm -hmm. that I'm conflicted about and she always gives such good Mm -hmm. like reason and counsel um yeah Mm -hmm. so I think it's that kind of combo platter of like humbling Mm -hmm. yourself before God because he is good and he wants like he Mm -hmm. wants a relationship um with me with you with um all of his children and Mm -hmm. uh man just allowing him to do what he's doing and just trusting him it's like all those things where I'm still mm-hmm. in that process of obviously every day. It's just like, I think the main thing, seeing the day is the Lord's. He's made it already. He knows where you're mm-hmm. going, you know, and yeah. trusting him yeah. in it, you know, totally. mm-hmm. he's got you. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, I mean, I would love to throw in one more question before we wrap up, but um, I'm sure our listeners would love to hear kind of what advice would you have for young creatives, like young aspiring or young starting out creatives who are interested in, you know, developing new works or adaptation or production or, or if they don't know what they want to do and they want to do all of it, like, what would you, what would you say to them? Or what would you say to like a younger Miriam? Aww. Oh, that's such a great question. Um, hmm. That makes me cry. <laughs> I think like, <laughs> um, I think, sorry. And I am such a crier, oh, but I like, you know, Hey, it's, um, I think when you talk about the most personal things, you're just right there. Um, but I think that it's awesome to just trust that God is extremely merciful. So like whatever your struggles are, whatever your past is, whatever your, working through right now that he is is um just way more merciful than we'll like know ever <laughs> like until we meet him like in person and so 
on a creative wavelength, I just think um, artistically, like, you know, we are souls. <laughs> we have bodies. I know, I think it's like C.S. Lewis said that or somebody. Um, so c- take care of your soul. Like that is more important than any role that you play, um, anything at all, really. It's like your relationship with with Christ comes first. Um, and take time for that. Nurture that relationship. If I were to say that to my, I would so say that to my younger self. Uh, I would just say that's important to be in Christian community. Like find your good friends um, and seek out an older, wiser mentor, somebody who can, who knows, you know, who's lived longer, who like has had a relationship with the Lord longer, who can help you. Cause that happened for me. And it was just, it's been tremendously helpful. Um, and in general, from a, I think a creative standpoint, we, I think, all have stories to tell. Obviously, we all do. We all are living our own story in that way. And so if you have an interest in something that really is exciting to you, but maybe not everybody else thinks that way about it, just don't be afraid to, to just start working on that or sharing it. Um, because I really think like that's that's like a little glimmer of like, a gift to you from God being like, Hey, you know, um, in terms of creativity, that our passions come from him in that way that he, um, and so I think in my opinion, like obviously from a Christian perspective, I pray about the things like, Lord, do you want me to do this? Help me to tell this story if you do, because I really love this story. Um, and I just think, um, yeah, not being afraid to ask others for help as you're writing a story. Um, and don't feel like you have to do it all because it's so much more fun to work with other people point blank. And you'll start to really hear yourself, um, speak about what you think the story is, which will also help you sit down and start to discern what you want to tell or not. So yeah, that's That's good. That's good. I love that Miriam. Um, Well, thank you so much for being on the show and for just sharing your heart and sharing just your wisdom when it comes to all of these different things that I'm sure our listeners are like, I want to try this, but I don't really know. Or, or what is, what is someone who has experience in all these different things like have to say about this? And I just think it's so beautiful how you've been able to tell these stories, especially about these women of faith of like, they were women of faith and they are a part of this story that God is writing in the creative world even. Um, So I just appreciate you so much. And I thank you for being on. Um, If you are listening, please be sure to do some research on Miriam. If you go to visionproductions.com, right, Miriam? Uh, Yeah, I think .org. Yeah. .org. Yes. You can find out all this crazy cool information about the three projects she's done um, and just stay up to date on what they're up to because they're doing big things. Hopefully coming back from COVID, it'll be amazing. But thank you so much for being with <laughs> us, you, Miriam, Emma. and we'll talk to you soon. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. So great to talk to you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Narrow Way to Broadway podcast. If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe. We release new episodes the first and third Monday of the month. For more information on what we're up to, follow us on Instagram at inwaybway.com.